You're listening to episode 64 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today's episode is something a little bit different. I am talking to an expert that I brought in to discuss uh, pregnancy and postpartum health, because I don't think that this is addressed often enough. And I'm really fascinated by this subject because I feel like there are, I feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there that needs to be addressed and brought out into the open so that women don't feel so alone, especially when they're going through pregnancy and uh, everything that comes with postpartum. And, And you hear so many women say, you know, during pregnancy or afterwards that, you know, it's all these things that, that nobody ever talks about. Well, today we're going to be talking about some of them. So today I'm talking to Victoria Dosen, and she is a fitness and wellness coach from Naples, Florida, who helps moms to prepare their bodies for pregnancy, labor, and delivery, and to heal their bodies postpartum, ditch the mom guilt, and reconnect with themselves so that they can live a more authentic, vibrant, and happier life. So Victoria is actually a mom of three. She loves working with her mom clients. And all of this started when she began working with expecting new and kind of more seasoned moms when she was completing her graduate degree. So she actually has a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences. A, she's a precision nutrition level one coach and has a multitude of other certifications behind her name, um, along with being in the industry for the fitness industry for over 16 years. So honestly, she, one of the biggest takeaways I got from her and from this episode is that she really wants every mom to know that it's important to make time for herself and that, you know, we should never, I say we, I'm not yet a mom, but that you as a mom should never lose sight of your own health and happiness because they are so intertwined and interconnected. So even if you are not a mom yet, Um, If you ever plan on having children or if you work with women who have children, I think that this episode is going to be really important because I learned so much. I I left this episode with like even more questions. I might have to have her back on for part two because it is incredibly powerful to hear some of the things that we can do to help better support our bodies. And sometimes it can be long before we ever even get to the point of giving birth too. So we, some of the, just a handful of the things that we talk about are some of the potential issues that women might experience postpartum, including incontinence and painful sex and why there is something that you can actually do to rehabilitate that. Um, we are talking about the difference between how you can handle rehabilitative exercises after a C-section versus vaginal delivery. We're talking about some of the best exercises women can do for their core and pelvic health along with mom guilt and how kind of not to lose yourself post baby, which from just talking to a lot of the moms that I know, that can be very easy to do. So I'm really excited about this. One quick thing to note, there is some minor feedback in this episode that I unfortunately was not able to clear out on the audio. 
but most of the time, like 95% of the time, it's super clear. So I don't think that it should be too much of a problem. And there's just so much awesome info in here. Uh, I really wanted to make sure to release it so that you could hear all of this. So let's get started with Victoria. Victoria, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you because I have never had anyone focusing in like pre prenatal and postpartum and pregnancy and all that stuff on the podcast before. So tell us more about you. Tell us more about what you do and how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Sure. So, um, first of all, I'm a wife. I'm actually, um, 15 years married as of today. <laughs> oh, happy anniversary. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I'm a wife. I'm also a mom to three kids. They are 11, eight and three years old. Um, I live in Naples, Florida. I'm originally from New Jersey, but I've lived in Florida for a good chunk of my life as well. So I guess you can say I'm a Florida girl now. Um, I got my undergraduate degree in business and then I decided to switch directions a little bit. And then I went back to grad school to get my master's degree in exercise and sports sciences. So I've been in the fitness field for wow, over 15 years now. Um, I absolutely love what I do. I think fitness is such an amazing tool for helping people, especially women, um, realize their potential and realize things that they are capable of doing that they never thought possible before. And how did I get into pre and postnatal fitness? So actually my first training client was my husband's boss's wife and she had just given birth to her first baby. So she wanted to start working with me to get back into fitness safely. So it kind of started right out of the gate and I've worked with clients from all walks of life, but I've always had a place in my heart, I guess you could say for moms. I've always been drawn to um, working with moms and I think part of that is because I wanted to become a mom myself one day and then I think another reason is because I had a mom who was and she still is very much someone who goes above and beyond for her family. So oftentimes she had a tendency to put herself last on the priority list in terms of self-care and wellness. So watching that growing up, that really had a huge impact on me. And I kind of vowed to myself that when I became a mom, I would do my damnedest to, you know, obviously not neglect my family, but always make it a point to put my health and wellness, maybe not at the very top of the list, but up there somewhere. So it was that. And then I think the other thing that really helped me dive into pre and postnatal fitness and corn pelvic floor health was as I started having my kids, um, I had my first son, he was born via C-section. And, you know, C-sections are a major abdominal surgery. And I remember coming home from the hospital and my doctor and the nurses just being like, okay, go home and rest and then come back and see us in six weeks. And it was kind of like, well, that's it. See you later. Here's this baby. And now you kind of have, you have to go and figure it all out for yourself. So it made me want to dive into that field more. Um, so that I could learn more how to better 
heal my own body and um, rehab my body and better serve my clients as I, you know, trained more women down the line. So yeah, that's how I got to where I am. Oh, I love it. So, I mean, what are, oh, I have so many questions. What are some of the differences in terms of healing between a C-section versus uh, giving birth vaginally? Because I've heard, I've heard some stories of some pretty uh, difficult bouts of healing for both. And obviously C-section is, is an actual surgery. Like you said, it, it's a major abdominal surgery. So that can be a whole separate thing that comes with its, with its own set of issues, but vaginal delivery can also come with its own set of issues. So I would love to hear some of the differences between the both. Sure. Um, so pregnancy and childbirth, they are amazing experiences, but they are very traumatic on the body. You know, it's a huge injury to a woman's body. Um, so when it comes to the rehab process, and I hate to use the term getting your body back, but um, reclaiming, how do I want to say this? Reclaiming more of how you felt, feeling more comfortable in your, your body again, postpartum. Um, so in terms of vaginal and C-section, the biggest difference is for a C-section, you really, and this is something that hardly ever gets mentioned or talked about at all for moms who have delivered via C-section, and that is the importance of soft tissue work or massage work for the incision area and the abdominal area around her C-section scar. Mm. So... You know, when you have any sort of surgery or when you have an injury occur, that C-section or that, that scar tissue forms inside your body and around the, that site of injury. But that um, scar tissue, it doesn't always lay down nice and smoothly and, and neatly. It kind of just lays down and attaches itself to whatever it can around the area. So like within your abdomen, in the case of a C-section, It'll attach to um, organs, uh, other tissue, other muscles, and that can significantly impact how well a mom's core and pelvic floor functions postpartum. So one of the big keys for healing um, from a C-section is to try and get some soft tissue work done on that area once that incision area is fully healed. So. You know, some moms can start anywhere after two weeks after C-section, but I usually like to say at least six weeks until that incision area has really healed, and then to start looking into getting some soft tissue work done. And so a C-section can be very, not just traumatizing for her body, but it can be very mentally and emotionally um, traumatizing for a woman. And sometimes a lot of women can have trouble touching that area after they've given birth because it brings up a lot of um, kind of negative emotions and feelings. And it can also, sometimes a C-section feels like a form of failure for a lot of women when they've had this plan to deliver their baby vaginally and it doesn't always turn out that way. So if you are a mom who is dealing with those types of things and you're not ready to work on that area yourself, 
you can always find someone in your neck of the woods who specializes in um, scar massage, or you can find a, a physical therapist in your area who specializes in um, pelvic floor health. And that's actually someone that I always recommend all of my clients go and see those first few weeks postpartum. So that's the first, I guess that I could, I would say that's the major thing for C-section recovery, but in terms of rehabbing the core and the pelvic floor, um, it's, it's almost the same. So, and we can get into this more, but a lot of it has to do, it's a total body approach. It's not just about doing more Kegels. So it's so about, this is, this is from vaginal birth, right? That's vaginal and C-section. Oh, vaginal this, is, this applies to both. Okay. Mm -hmm, All right. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole body approach. So it's not just doing, like if it's a C-section, it's soft tissue work for that area, but it's, it's doing soft tissue work for your entire body, especially your lower body around your hips, your glutes, your hip flexors, your calves. Um, because what happens is your core isn't functioning as well as it was pre-pregnancy. So when your core isn't functioning as well, other muscles surrounding that area have to kick in and take over. So they're working overtime, which can cause tightness and, and muscular compensations. So it's soft tissue work. It's minding your alignment or your posture. It's learning how to um, re-engage those deeper core muscles with your breath. So I know I kind of went off on a tangent, but <laughs> it's, um, it's a whole body approach. Now, do do women should women be looking for massage therapists or should they be looking for someone specializing in like actual pelvic floor work or what is it actually called that women should be basically typing into Google in their sure. in their local area? <laughs> sure. So ideally, if they can find someone in their area who specializes in um, pelvic floor health or women's health is another way that you can Google it. And that physical therapist will have the knowledge on how to do that soft tissue work around the incision area and the abdomen area. And on a side note too, for a mom who has delivered vaginally, oftentimes she can have some tearing happen mm -hmm. or she can have an episiotomy done. And both of those sometimes require stitching. Well, the episiotomy, yes, but sometimes the tearing, depending on what is the that? degree of it? So it's um, a tearing of the pelvic floor muscles, the perineum space between the vagina and the anus. Okay. And sometimes that tearing can be as significant as tearing from the vagina all the way to the anus during childbirth. Ouch. Yeah. So there are some pretty significant. <laughs> I don't have children pretty... yet, and I'm like <laughs> over here. I'm like, oh, I, God, I know. And I tell and I tell you this not to freak you out or scary, but you know this is just all of this stuff that nobody talks about when it comes to um, being pregnant or giving birth or the postpartum that those early weeks postpartum. Nobody talks about this kind of stuff, and it's so important for moms to know about this. Yes, um, and and this is why I want to have you on because I, I think that it's it, that it is really important and. I'll hear the occasional snippet and conversation from moms I know, but unless I go out and do my, my own research and I'm looking specifically for it, nobody talks about this. 
So mm-hmm. I, I'm really happy to have you on to, to dig into this deeper because I think that there is not enough awareness around it and that this is probably at least partly what contributes to a lot of fear around childbirth. And yeah. if we know what we can do to better support our bodies going into the process, then I, I think that that probably, I would imagine anyway, that that could at least help alleviate a little bit of, of the fear and knowing that there are things that you can do to bring, bring your body back. And I'm not talking, you know, like a, a certain body weight or something. I mean, like, like what you were talking about, just feeling comfortable in your own skin again. That's, yeah. that's really significant. And, and that plays a big role in how we are able to show up for ourselves and for our loved ones, including, you know, our, our new baby or something like that. We, we need to be able to, to be the best version of ourselves to provide that. Sure. Absolutely. And it's, you know, knowledge is power. And the other thing is I want women who are listening to this to know is that even if you empower yourself with this knowledge and these corn pellet floor issues that we're going to be talking about happen to you, it's, it doesn't mean that your body fails you. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your body. Sometimes it just happens. It's just, it's just, nature's way sometimes. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It's not the end of the world at all. There are things that you can do to correct these core and pelvic floor issues. So what are some of the potential issues that women might experience postpartum? So along with the, um, the mental and emotional components, you know, a lot of women are suffering in silence and they don't know what to do. So if that is you, don't ever hesitate to ask for help. Um, I've been there. I know the feeling. It's a very scary and lonely feeling and there's always help. So there's that. But then in terms of um, physical issues, so women can experience anything from Abdominal separation, which is also known as diastasis recti or diastasis recti, however you pronounce it. And that occurs um, in pregnancy. Usually it occurs more towards the end of the pregnancy when um, a a woman's body is, her belly is expanding more. So there's more intra-abdominal pressure building up within her core and her uterus is growing and baby is growing. So it's pushing out against her abdominal wall and it's causing her those abdominal muscles to spread and that connective tissue between her abdominal muscles to thin and kind of spread and make way for baby. So if you learn that you have diastasis during pregnancy, just know that again, it's not the end of the world. It can absolutely be healed postpartum. Um, and it's very normal. You know, almost every woman who is pregnant ends up getting some degree of diastasis during the end of her pregnancy because, you know, the, something has to give for that room to be available for the uterus to grow and for the baby to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. So, sorry. So, so there's diastasis and then um, leaking is a very common one. So leaking of any kind of urine or feces or even gas Um, that can be another postpartum issue that moms deal with, um, pelvic organ prolapse. And that is when the pelvic organs start to descend down into the vagina 
and sometimes as far as bulging out into the vagina or out of the body. Um, so there's that. And then there's also anything from pelvic pain, so chronic pelvic pain or um, chronic nagging and pain anywhere else in the body. So like if you're a mom who has been dealing with a shoulder pain for years now or months or what have you, and you never did anything to rehab your core and your pelvic floor postpartum, very often it has to go back to not having done anything for your core and your pelvic floor because your whole body is connected through fascia. So when one area of your body isn't functioning as well as it needs to be, then somewhere else in your body is affected by that. So like any chronic shoulder pain, hip or knee or lower back pain can also be some common issues that moms deal with postpartum. Mm, that's so fascinating because you, you yeah. don't think to, I mean, I'm always talking about how interconnected the body is, but that's something that is sort of next level of that, that we wouldn't even necessarily think of. Like I, I don't think that I would have ever you know, given birth and then associated shoulder pain with not having properly rehabbed my pelvic floor, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's incredible to see the connection there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's quite the rabbit hole that you can dive down into when you start learning and researching all of this. Well, and something else that you and I talked about before jumping on too was painful sex. And I want to make sure that we are also putting that out there because I often feel that women's sexual health in terms of pleasure is often, uh, I feel like it often tends to come second to males. Mm -hmm. Somehow we still seem to live in this patriarchal thing where it just doesn't seem to be considered as important as male sexual pleasure. And yeah, and, and I think that, that really needs to be addressed. And, and I, I'm hoping that this is um, reaching women who can maybe start to realize that there are things that they can do to rehab their bodies to eliminate that pain too, hopefully, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. Um, you know, the, the pleasurable side of it for women very often gets put on the back burner. Um, and it's just, it's another one of these things that women are just sort of expected to, to deal with and suffer with in silence. And so, yes. So on a personal note, I am someone who has dealt with painful sex um, and it's not, this isn't something that's only common for women who are pregnant or who have given birth. You know, women of all ages deal with painful sex. And so there are a multitude of factors, but oftentimes it has to do with, um, so we've all heard that women should do Kegels to tighten their pelvic floors. However, this isn't always um, the case for women who have what is called a hypertonic pelvic floor. So a pelvic floor that is too tight or is holding too much tension. So if you are a woman who experiences um, pain with sex or pain with um, like inserting a tampon or pain during any sort of pelvic exams when you go to your OB or your GYN. Mm -hmm. This is very much a sign that you could be dealing with 
a pelvic floor that is too tight. So when you're a woman who you're holding a pelvic floor that's too tight, telling her to do more Kegels is only going to make that situation worse. So she first and foremost needs to learn, and I had to do this too. Um, you have to learn first how to relax your pelvic floor muscles. So your deeper core muscles, they function very much like every other muscle in your body. So if you think about it, we don't walk around all day constantly flexing our arm, or we don't walk around all day, you know, constantly flexing our quads. We wouldn't be able to walk. So the same thing applies to the muscles of your core. You have to learn to be able to let your pelvic floor both relax when it needs to and contract when it needs to. So women who experience painful sex um, most likely are experiencing that too tight of a pelvic floor. So I highly suggest, again, that they hop in their computer, go onto Google, and find someone in their area that specializes in um, core and pelvic floor health so that they can go in and have a thorough internal examination from that physical therapist. And that physical therapist will be able to um, give her an internal evaluation and test each and every one of the pelvic floor muscles to see which one is tight and which one is functioning normally. So that you can get a better picture of what's going on. I have so many questions. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> something I want to, I want to address is for anyone like somebody in my, in my shoes, for example, or, or anyone, uh, you know, younger than me or just hasn't made the decision yet or, or whatever, who is not quite ready to have kids yet. Is there anything that you can do in the years leading up to pregnancy that can build a stronger pelvic floor and core to have a positive effect later on? Because in some ways I'm almost wondering about this from the standpoint of um, often for like ideal fertility health, there are supplements and just ways to, to care for your body and your health in general that will help with fertility down the road. And I'm wondering if it's the same type of thing when it comes to something like our, pel like our pelvic floor. Sure, absolutely. So again, there are, you know, there are certain exercises that you can do. Um, and then there are a lot of lifestyle factors, which I'm sure some of them will be probably a little bit surprising to you. So um, let me think. So first and foremost, again, like we talked about, it's learning how to both relax and contract those pelvic floor muscles. But your pelvic floor muscles work as a team with three other muscles of your deeper core. So you have your transverse abs, which are your deepest abdominal muscles. They help to form the corset of your waist or give you that corset-like look. So we have those guys. And then you have your big breathing muscle, your diaphragm muscle, which is like the top. So I want to, I'd like to say that your deeper core muscles form like a canister. So you have your transverse abs on the front of that canister. You have your big breathing muscle, your diaphragm muscle on the top of that canister. On the back side, you have some little back muscles called the multifidi. And then on the bottom of that canister, you have your pelvic floor muscles. So all of these muscles work together as a team to um, produce core stability. So what you obviously need to be able to move through everyday life, to be able to lift heavy weights in the gym. Um, so 
that you can, what else am I trying to say? Um, yeah, they're just responsible for a lot of everyday things, but they all work together in unison with your breath. So a big part in strengthening these muscles is learning how to engage them as a team with your breath. And you can't really isolate one or the other because they all work together. So it's not so easy as just go do a bunch of Kegels or it's not so easy as, you know, just go do a lot of sit-ups or crunches. It's learning how to engage those deeper muscles. So that's one aspect. Um, the second is really paying attention to how you hold yourself throughout the day. So um, we can call it posture, but it's really your alignment. So how your skeleton is stacked up on top of itself. So I'm going to go back to childhood. So I was a dancer growing up, and I was always taught that I needed to stand with my chest up, which caused my rib cage to flare. So a lot of us who are very active growing up have learned to be in this rib cage rung up and pelvis um, tilted forward a lot, if you can picture that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a very poor alignment to be in. And a lot of young women, you know, they're doing their social media posts and they're sticking their butt out and they're trying to get that <laughs> best picture, you know, kind of like the stripper pose a little bit. That's 100% <laughs> um, accurate. <laughs> yes. So that is a really bad alignment to be in all the time throughout the day. And I'm not saying that you have to be in perfect alignment every second of the day, but it's really a mindful practice to be checking in to see how you're holding your body throughout the day. Because the better you're able to get your rib cage stacked over your pelvis, the better those deeper core muscles are able to engage with one another, which, you know, is, means better core stability, which means um, less back pain, less hip pain, overall just better functioning for your entire body. Um, so there's that. And then in terms of lifestyle factors, um, so I think I kind of mentioned before, or maybe I didn't, that a lot of core and pelvic floor issues stem from your core not being able to manage intra-abdominal pressure well. So there are a lot of lifestyle factors that we do or we create on a daily basis that kind of throw off that intra-abdominal pressure within our core. So the first one is your alignment. So checking in and seeing how that is doing. Um, the next thing is paying attention to how you're holding your core throughout the day. So many of us girls from a very young age are taught to suck in your belly, suck in your belly. So draw that belly button to spine and give yourself a slimmer look by always squeezing your abs all day. So when you're squeezing your abs all day, that actually creates too much intra-abdominal pressure. And if you can kind of imagine it, if you are squeezing your belly button to spine all day, if you think of your core as a balloon, when you squeeze that balloon through the center, all of that air goes up to the top of the balloon or down to the bottom. So if you imagine your core the same way, all of that extra pressure is going up into your diaphragm, which is throwing off your breathing and causing poor breathing patterns. And all that pressure is going down onto your pelvic floor. And over time, 
that gradually um, decreases pelvic floor strength, which can then therefore cause such things as leaking, pelvic organ prolapse, um, pelvic pain, and such. Okay. Yeah, that's really good to know. And I mean, when, when you're talking about some of the exercises that we can do, what does that look like? Because there's still such a stigma that the best, you know, core exercise to do is things like crunches, which as a former trainer, um, I, I know not to be true, but when it comes to pregnancy and pre or postpartum, what does that look like in terms of actually really being able to build up our, our core strength? And I know that this can vary, obviously, you know, if you're working with an actual physical therapist or something like that, but you have entire programs built around this. And, and I would love to, to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. So a lot of the exercises that I give to clients and I have in my programs, and again, like you said, it's always, it's going to be based on the individual too, because um, one exercise may work for one person and it doesn't necessarily work for another, but like going out of the gate and postpartum and also in pregnancy, I like to program a lot of exercises that teach women how to hold their spine stable um, while they're moving their limbs, if that makes sense. So different things like... Um, dead bug variations and paloff press variations and farmer's carries and side plank variations. Um, and it's not to say that you can't, so crunches and sit-ups, like just, I would rather take them off the table during pregnancy because even if a mom doesn't have diastasis recti during pregnancy, most likely at some point, she's going to develop diastasis recti and her core isn't as intact as it was pre-pregnancy. So doing crunches and sit-ups aren't exactly appropriate for her core at that time. Now, when you're talking postpartum, it's not to say that a mom can't ever do sit-ups and crunches again postpartum. It's about um, re-strengthening those deeper core muscles so that they can learn how to engage during a sit-up and a crunch so she doesn't experience any of the signs and symptoms um, that a woman who can't handle a crunch and sit-up. So do you want me to go over some of those just so? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, sure. yeah, please. Okay. Sure. So a way to tell if your core is not able to withstand kind of more aggressive core work like sit-ups and crunches and pikes and leg lowers and boat pose and that kind of stuff. And this goes for moms who are well postpartum too. And a lot of the times they won't even realize that their core can't withstand those exercises. So what it looks like is there's sort of like a, I call it like a doming or a coning or a bulging along the midline of her belly. So going anywhere from like the top of her pubic bone all the way to her sternum. If at any time that area right there in the middle starts to kind of pop up, that's usually a sign that her, her core just isn't ready for those kinds of exercises. Okay. 
That's really interesting. I had, I had no idea about that. I'm taking notes on that because I, I just think that that's so fascinating. And, and actually that was something I wanted to ask you about as well was for anyone who is years postpartum, is there anything that they can do to rehabilitate their core and their pelvic floor or is it too late? No, it's never too late. Never, never, never too late. Um, and a woman who is years postpartum can absolutely rehab her core or pelvic floor. And again, it's that whole body approach. So, so if you are constantly doing exercises to rehab your core and pelvic floor, but you're not paying attention to what you're doing throughout the day, all of those exercises are great, but um, stuff like holding your breath, poor lifting mechanics, um, using your lower back too much, all that kind of stuff can keep you from healing your core and your pelvic floor a long time postpartum. So there are exercises kind of like the ones that we covered before. And again, just learning how to reintegrate your breath with um, activating your transverse abs and your pelvic floor. So that's kind of the first step. The next step is again, checking in with your alignment, like seeing if you are tilting your pelvis forward too much all the time, you're thrusting your rib cage, or on the flip side, a lot of moms have a tendency to live in this posture where they tuck their tailbone underneath and they squeeze their glutes too much and they sit way back in their rib cage. So they kind of look like they're hunched over all the time. And a lot of that comes from early on when they're carrying their kids out in front, it's their body's way of compensating. And that posture just carries well into the postpartum years. So it's being mindful of your posture. Um, and again, it's also lifestyle habits. Like, are you exhaling when you go to lift stuff off the floor or lift stuff from overhead? Um, because when you exhale, that normally tells your body to um, have those deeper core muscles kick in and contract and support your spine and your pelvis. So um, exhaling on exertion. Um, using your hips more or like a deadlift position or squatting when you're trying to lift stuff off the floor. And then some other things like we talked before about like not squeezing your abs all day, not really uh, wearing really tight clothing. So things like waist trainers and shapers and spanks and um, really tight pants can affect your core and pelvic floor health as well. So not wearing really tight um, clothing, being careful of the types of shoes that you wear. So I know us women love to wear our high heels, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, trying to take a break from wearing high heels all the time as well, because those heels shift your pelvis forward, which gets you out of core alignment, which affects how well your core and your pelvic floor function. So interesting how this is just all so interconnected. And what I love too was uh, when you and I were at uh, a business retreat back in November, you were telling us about how you actually have two different types of programs, one geared specifically towards women who have had C-sections and another geared specifically towards women who have delivered vaginally. And I just thought that that was so interesting that you had developed two separate programs with two different approaches depending on the woman's needs and how childbirth went for them one, one way or the other. There, there's nothing you know better or worse about either one. 
just that you approach it differently. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that if you could tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. So they, so these programs were kind of, they were born out of working with my clients, but also my own experience of childbirth. So like I mentioned before, um, my oldest was born via C-section. My middle, my second son was born VBAC, so vaginal birth after cesarean. And I had an episiotomy and I had a lot of complications with that. And then my third was born C-section. So I've delivered my kids both ways. And the recovery process was not so much the the exercises that I did per se, but just my lifestyle habits and how long it took me to get back on my feet. Um, so um, being or delivering C-section, that timeline for getting back on your feet and exercising again and getting back into fitness can be a little bit longer than it is um, vaginally. And that's okay. You just have to give yourself more grace and compassion and respect the process. But um, so with my C-section program, we talk again, like we mentioned before, the importance of the soft tissue work for the incision area. We talk about nutrition because nutrition is a huge component as well in the postpartum recovery process. And this is kind of the same for vaginal deliveries as well. It's you want to be consuming foods that are going to reduce the inflammation and help rebuild tissue. So we cover a lot of that in um, the C-section version of Restore My Core. It's an eight-week um, core and pelvic floor restorative program for moms. Um, we also, again, cover a lot of the soft tissue exercises that C-section moms need to be doing because their core is even more compromised after birth. So they have a tendency to get really, really tight through their hips and their lower back um, and through their hip flexors. Um, so that's, those are more of the things that we focus on for the C-section program. We also talk about wrapping. So postpartum wrapping is sort of a, kind of a hot topic of debate. So that's where women wear these abdominal wraps to support their core and their pelvic floor postpartum. And um, women who have delivered both vaginally and C-section can wear them, but more often it's um, recommended for women who have delivered C-section because, again, those muscles are a little more out of commission than um, a vaginal birth. So I always like to suggest, and we talk about this in the program, is that it's good for moms who have delivered via C-section if it feels supportive for them to wrap their core postpartum to do so, but to don't to not use it as a crutch. Like those muscles need to be um, uh, challenged, relatively speaking, just like every other body when it comes to working out and getting stronger. So you have to put in the time with the exercise, but the the wrapping can help as well. That's really good to know. Yeah. That's because yeah. I've heard, I've heard a handful of women discuss it and, and I wasn't, I didn't know enough about it to, to really know one way or the other. So that's, that's a great point that, yeah, it can be super helpful. Again, it's such an individual process, right? But that mm -hmm. it, while it can be helpful that we don't want to fully depend on it either too. Actually, another thing that you said there, I didn't actually realize 
I, I think someone told me ages ago that you, you couldn't, um, the doctors wouldn't allow you to deliver vaginally after you'd had a C-section. So I didn't actually know that that was possible. I think for some reason I was left with some impression that once you've delivered C-section, you can only deliver C-section. Is that, is that unusual or is, is that just like a complete myth that I heard? <laughs> no. And it, it depends. Like the, so here in the States, I believe, um, it depends on the state and the okay. regulations that are set in place. But a lot of moms are able to deliver vaginally after C-section. So interesting. Okay. I didn't realize that. So that, that was actually, that really struck me when you said that because I didn't actually realize that. Yeah. Um, and, and there oh, are ahead, a lot please. of factors. No, sorry. It's okay. um, there are a lot of factors too that depend on that. Like if it's, if it's just one pregnancy after the C-section or I'm sorry, if it's like one C-section before that vaginal birth, it's usually, most doctors will be okay with at least trying. And again, it depends on a woman's health history and medical history and all of that and how her pregnancy is progressing. But sometimes if she's had more than one C-section, um, it depends on, because it's the integrity of the uterus and whether or not it'll be able to withstand childbirth or if it'll rupture where that incision was created. So it just depends on how many C-sections she's had before she decides to try and deliver for um, a VBAC. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really interesting. Actually. I think that's fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. Something else that I wanted to address with you was more the emotional aspect because today has been much more about the the physical than the emotional. And I do want to touch on a couple emotional things. Like what do you want women to know who feel like they have lost themselves post baby? Because I honestly, I, I can, again, I can only imagine, I, I don't have personal experience with this, but I can imagine that sharing your body with another human completely shifts how you view yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to be honest with yourself. Like I will come out and say that, um, so I breastfed all of my children, but I also bottle fed them. I gave them formula sometimes because I just needed a break. <laughs> like it, my body went through so much that I just needed the space. Um, so I tried to rely on my husband and family members to help out when they could. And I wasn't in love with breastfeeding. Like, I get it. I, I completely understand that. And it's a, it's an amazing thing that your body is able to do, but I just, I did it because I knew it was very good for my, the health of my kids, but it wasn't something that I particularly loved doing. And if there's a mom out there who is listening to this and she feels the same way, it's okay. <laughs> like, you know, I think oftentimes moms are expected to live this picture perfect storybook postpartum experience and it's not that way at all like pardon my french but it's fucking hard it's hard <laughs> like you are exhausted your stress is at an all-time high your world has just been completely turned around and yes you're so in love with this little being but at the same time your world is upside down and you're like, you don't know which end is up some days. 
Um, and I think we need to start normalizing that conversation more and letting moms know that it's okay to have bad days and there will be bad days and it's part of the process. And if she's afraid to ask for help, just know that it's there and she just has to reach out because there's all sorts of avenues for help and assistance. Um, I was going to say something else, but I forget what I was going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think that there's just so much power in that. And, and it's, it's refreshing to hear you say that too, because I think that there is sort of this kind of stigma. I mean, even in, even in the natural nutrition world, you know, yes, there's all kinds of evidence showing that breastfeeding is uh, the best possible choice for a lot of kids from a health standpoint in terms of developing their gut and, and stuff like that. But there's still lots of other reasons why babies might do just as well being bottle fed too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's also something to be said for their mom keeping their sanity. (laughs) Exactly. Like if you need to bot, if you need to formula feed your child because it'll give you peace of mind, then by all means do so. Like it's not just about what's good for baby. It's about what's good for mom and baby because so often mom just gets brushed aside and she's just expect to sort of take it all and deal with it all. And again, suffer in silence and it doesn't have to be that way. And it shouldn't be that way at all. And it's hard being like motherhood is amazing and it's great. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but it's hard, especially those first couple months and years postpartum. And I don't want to say that it gets easier. It's just different. Yet, like, yes, it gets easier when the baby starts sleeping more and you get more into a routine and a schedule, but it does get better. I promise that it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good to hear. And yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's just it. I, I think that that's a really important thing to remember is that baby's health is going to be better if mom's health is better. And mm-hmm. if, if mom's mental and potentially physical, but, but mental too, health is suffering, then babies is going to suffer too, whether they're being uh, bottle or breastfed. That's not even going to matter at that point, because if mom's mental health is suffering, baby is also going to have potentially a tougher time. So it has to be from a more holistic standpoint and looking at the whole picture, not just one being versus the other. So, I mean, that also kind of plays into um, like one of my last questions about a lot of guilt. And I always feel as though motherhood, and again, this is from an outside perspective because I'm not a mom. So I, I, I really want to hear your thoughts on this, but I feel like the moms that I've talked to often deal with a huge amount of guilt around putting themselves first and prioritizing their health. Like you were mentioning earlier and and even just about the, the breastfeeding. I mean, how do you deal with that either for yourself or for clients? Sure. Um, one thing I think is the mom guilt never goes away. It, it, It never does. No matter how old your kids are, it never goes away. Um, and that's okay. And it's just, it's learning how to manage it and keep yourself a focus. And, um, 
I guess I like to tell my clients that, you know, don't you want to be around for when your kids are older? Don't you want to experience life with them? Don't you want to enjoy your life? Or do you want to be stuck on the sidelines all the time because you're in constant pain, because you're dealing with health issues, because you're not putting yourself on the top of the list as well? Like you deserve to live your life and be happy and feel good about yourself and about your life as well. You know, once you have kids, it doesn't mean that you put yourself on the shelf and everybody else takes precedence over you. Like you are part of the family as well. So you count and you matter just as much as everyone else in your family. Mm. No, that's, that's just a really great reminder. And I hope that that's just speaking straight into the heart of some of the moms out there who are maybe having a really tough time and not sure how to go about prioritizing themselves or if it's even okay to prioritize themselves. And, and hopefully that really helps them to, to move forward in, in a positive direction because it's like, I, like I said, I'm not a mom and I find that really powerful just to hear and, and to try and remember and take with me into the future too. So I'm really happy sure. that, that you said that. Um, Victoria, yeah. let, let us know where we can find you because I want to make sure that everyone can access you and to uh, find your programs and all of the resources that you have to offer because you've got some, some really, really helpful things that I think just so many moms can, can use. Yeah, sure. So I have my website. It's victoriadosen.com. So D-O-S-E-N. So I have my website. I write a lot about all things mom, pregnancy, pre and postnatal health, quorum pelvic floor health. So I have a lot of free resources there. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Um, I, it's at I am Victoria Dosen, or you can just search Victoria Dosen on Facebook. And then I'm also on Instagram at Victoria Dosen. And then like you mentioned, I have my eight-week quorum pelvic floor program for both vaginal and c-section birth and we go over everything like we go over from those early days postpartum to three months postpartum or more and helping mom get back into not only just fitness but everyday life and every step of the way from early postpartum and on and then i also have a um a group coaching program it's specifically for pregnancy and postpartum so it includes it's, it's sort of a holistic or wholesome approach in that i address fitness we talk nutrition we talk mindset so there's a prenatal stream so when you sign up you will be put in to where exactly you are prenatal or in your pregnancy so the specific workouts for you um, at whatever time you're pregnant, um, the specific information that you need to know for that time, and some different mindset work like journaling prompts you can do to help prepare you and prepare your body for what's about to occur. And then the same thing postpartum. So you get workouts, nutrition coaching, mindset coaching for wherever you are postpartum. So I meet you where you're at in whatever stage of motherhood you are at. 
Oh, so good. I, there's just so many women that I know can benefit so much from that. So I hope that everyone is going to go and look you up and I will make sure to reference all that in the show notes, uh, over at room to grow podcast.com. Um, and Victoria, I've just got one more question for you. So if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? So I think, especially as my experience as a mom, um, it's don't wait to live your life live it now and do the things that light you up now. Don't wait, you know, so if you're a mom or you're a parent, don't wait until your kids are out of the house to start living your life. Do the things that you can do now to make you feel more inspired, more empowered and happier about who you are and what your life is about. That's a beautiful answer. I I love that answer. I love it. Uh, Victoria, thank you so much. I'm, I'm just really grateful for you taking the time today and sharing. Yeah. And and sharing your knowledge. I'm honored to have you on because I I think that, um, just, I I feel that this aspect of female health is not discussed enough. And you were the first person that I went to, to talk about some of this stuff, because I, I just, I feel like it, it is not addressed And we need to be at the very least more open about it so that more women know how to find the resources that they need and to be reassured that what they're going through is, is also that they're not alone. Like that even if what they're going through isn't necessarily normal, it is very common and that there are things that can be done to help it. Yeah. And that's why I do what I do. And I love the work that I do because women need to know more of this stuff and I want to help be part of that change. So I love it. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. That episode just had so much information in it. And truly, I I feel like I have even more questions and I have even more respect for any of the moms out there. I, I, I thought I already had all the respect for you. I have even more after this episode. So I hope that this has given you a jumping off point and some hope too. If you're feeling you know, that, that you've been dealing with a lot of these issues potentially for years too, that there are things that you can do to deal with this either locally or by connecting with someone like Victoria. So all of the show notes will be referenced over at room to grow podcast.com. Everything we talked about in the episode and where to find Victoria, you can find all of that over there. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.